Hello, friends. It's Bob. Linda is not here today. It's just me. But we're going to do a little devotional and uh, yeah, see how this goes. See if you like it. Let us know. Send us a DM uh, at Seed Time on Instagram. Send me an email, Bob at Seed Time. Let me know if you like it. Um, and we'll do more of these if you like it. But today we're going to talk about a critically important key, or actually a couple different keys to succeeding as a Christian. And we're going to be pulling this from uh, the parable of the talents. There's a lot of hidden wisdom and gems in this parable that uh, I want to spend a little time extracting and just kind of, yeah, just analyzing a little bit, looking at some different things. And uh, I found this to be helpful. This is out of a study that I did when we created a recent uh, devotional for version over there. And so if you are a um, Bible app reader on your phone, uh, version Bible app, we have a whole bunch of plans over there, and we would love for you to check them out. So you can just go to my plans area, search for Bob Lodick, L-O-T-I-C-H, or Seed Time, and you should be able to find a bunch of our plans over there. But we did one recently about the parable of the talents, and a lot of what we're talking about today comes out of that. And so the parable of talents is, as you probably know, one of Jesus' most famous parables, um, but what's so cool about it, it's about 17 verses in Matthew 25. And like I said, there's some really important keys to succeeding as a Christian. And these aren't, it's not just good advice, but like divine mandates kind of rolled up in there that can help us as believers be more in line with God's purposes and not just our finances. Cause I believe this parable, um, you know, specifically in the, at the beginning, Jesus says the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man. So there's a lot of different um, applications here. This isn't just a money lesson. And I've heard some people even say that, oh, it's not about money. It uses money to kind of teach something, but it's not about money. And it's like, well, it's about a lot of things. And I believe money is one of those things because we are stewarding or managing a lot of different things for God's glory. We're entrusted with a lot of things. I believe that I am a steward or a manager of my kids. I believe that I am uh, responsible for um, using my time wisely or my wife, you know, stewarding my relationship with her or any number of things, my body. Uh, so there's a lot that I think we are um, responsible for managing and uh, it's no different with our money or so I believe. So anyway, all that to say, let's kind of dive in. I want to actually read the uh, parable in its entirety from Matthew 25. So it starts at verse 14, and I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. Uh, it's very, you know, if you're not familiar with that translation, very uh, modern translation that is very easily readable. We'll say it that way. So again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Now the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, the master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom had been entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together." 
The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid that I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to one with uh, the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Okay, so that's ending on Matthew 29, so 14 through 29. So that is the parable of the talents, or in the New Living Translation, I think it calls it the parable of the three servants or something. Three servants, yeah. So uh, there's a lot here, okay? And this parable is kind of taken out of a larger narrative, um, if we kind of look at where all this is coming from, where Jesus teaches about the end times and what it'll be like when the Son of Man returns, right? And so this bag, um, so in this actual parable, or I'm sorry, in New Living Translation, it calls it a bag of silver, okay? But a talent in biblical times was a measure of weight typically used to quantify precious metals like gold or silver. So it makes sense that they're calling it uh, you know, a bag of silver. But the point is that a talent is a significant amount of money, okay? All right, so now I want to look at these characters and their roles, okay? So within this allegorical tale, we meet the characters, okay, whose roles serve to impart... I believe, the wisdom of the story, okay? So first we have the master, who I believe symbolizes God, the one who gives us all that we have, right? Who entrusts things to us. It's all his, but we are entrusted to manage it, right? Then we have the servants, who represent believers in their varying levels of faithfulness, right? Because as we see in the parable, they were, um, the master delegated to them or gave to them according to their abilities, okay? So maybe faithfulness or abilities. And then we have the talents, which stand for our God-given resources, gifts, opportunities, anything that we are entrusted to manage, right? So we have the master going on this journey who is entrusting his property to his servants. So two of those servants, as we saw, invest and double the money that they were giving. And then while the third servant, you know, he buried his talent in the ground, right? So if we look at some of the key themes here, like this parable touches on several really essential themes that we should, that should resonate with our lives, right? And so the first one is stewardship, right? This idea, the importance of taking care of what we have been entrusted with and understanding that we are stewards, that we are managers, that we are entrusted with something, right? The second thing is an investment component, right? And so, and I don't think that always means or necessarily means like a, an actual investment, like I'm going to go invest in a specific um, business or in the S&P 500 or something like that. But it's this principle of growing what we have been entrusting, entrusted with. And so if I'm looking at, you know, an actual talent that God has given me, like a, a specific and real talent, not a bag of silver, uh, I have a responsibility to do something with that, to develop that and to grow that and to increase that, Right. And then the third kind of key theme here, I think, is accountability. And so there's the understanding that we will be held responsible for how we use the resources that we've been entrusted with. Okay, so if we begin to look at what this looks like today, what the relevance is for us today, because we're in a culture that often promotes 
self-centered gain that is only focused on me, myself, and I. Everything is mine. Uh, I am an owner of everything, like just that mindset. You know, so this parable just pushes back on that by focusing on really God's expectations of how we should manage, you know, our time, our talents, our treasures, whatever, any of the thing that we've been entrusted with. And so while there are a lot of different interpretations and different ways that this parable can be interpreted, its immediate application for today's Christians, I believe, is pretty clear. And the question is, how are we stewarding, how are we managing God's resources that he has entrusted to us? Are we taking the steps to multiply them for the kingdom, for his glory, or are we, out of fear, hiding them away? And I'll speak from experience here. I've had many seasons where I've been convicted by God, where he gave me something that fear was holding me back from uh, multiplying it, because I was afraid. I was afraid I was going to be embarrassed. I was afraid, like, not necessarily if I was going to lose it. I don't know. I, don't, you know, I think it can go different directions. But, but the point is, fear has held me back in multiple points in my life from um, multiplying and moving forward with the thing that he has trusted me with. So anyway, so as we're thinking about this today, like, I want you to be remembering that these lessons are not just good advice. These are divine mandates, like I was saying before, that can help us be more in tune with God's purposes, um, really for every facet of our lives, you know, and, and, and definitely for our finances as well. So I want to look at the first two servants a little bit and kind of break them down a little bit, because what we see when we see these first two servants, and, and specifically they, are, you know, the first one says he took the money and he went and invested it. And I, and I think a lot of people think, oh, well, that feels risky. You know, that's a bold move. And he was taking a lot of risk, you know. But the truth is, like, what that actually is, it's actually an act of faith. That's what it is. Because risk implies that we don't know what's going to happen. But faith, on the other hand, implies that we know what's going to happen, but we just don't know how it's going to happen, right? And so I think that's what's often required from us as managers or stewards is for us to step out in faith. And that is a different thing than risk, okay? And so if we're literally talking about investing, you know, from that standpoint, it's like, yes, there's an aspect of risk, but but if we're thinking beyond that and we're thinking beyond you know, maybe perhaps God has called you to start a bakery and you don't know how to do that. And you're sitting there like, well, that just feels really difficult. I know God's called me to do it, but it, it feels really risky. It's like, well, that's not, that's not, that's not a risk anymore. That's faith. If you know that God has called you to do that, then it's no longer a risk because you don't know how it's going to work out. But if you know God called you to do it, then you do, do know it's going to work out because the God of the universe has asked you to do it. And he wouldn't ask you to do that unless he had a plan for how it was going to play out, right? You know, and so going back to my life, that was a situation that I experienced when I, uh, in 2007, felt like the Lord was leading me to become a full-time blogger, which made absolutely no sense. And everyone around me thought that was a really risky move. And, uh, and I, it feels risky. Like it felt absolutely risky. It felt insane. But I knew that I knew that I knew that he was calling me not to go find another job after I got laid off, but instead to go become a full-time blogger. Like, you know, and even saying it out loud, it still feels crazy. It feels risky. But the truth is it was an act of faith. It wasn't, um, this big risky move that I had to make because I knew that he was calling me to do it. And I had no idea how it was going to work out, but 
Um, but anyway, I guess the point is, is that it's so much more of a act of faith than it is a, um, a risky move that you're taking, right? So one of the most powerful things we can do as stewards is to shift our perspective from being a big risk taker to being one who is boldly stepping out in faith. Because again, they're just very, very different things. And what's beautiful about this is one small act of faith can have a huge domino effect, okay? So if we go back to Jesus feeding the 5,000, we have this boy with these five loaves and two fish, right? And he gave the little that he had and it fed thousands, okay? And so these first two under, these first two servants understood this principle, right? They didn't sit on their talents, they multiplied them, you know? And I, I just think that's so powerful because this is echoing a lesson that these small intentional acts can lead to exponential rewards, right? Okay, so now I want to look at something else because I think this is where things get really interesting. So if we notice in verse 15, okay, and I'm going to pull this up real quick. Uh, coming back to verse 15, he said, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities, okay? So they were given according to each one of their abilities, okay? So he gave the guy one because that's how much expectation he had in his ability. Now, he had some expectation. I don't think he would have given him any at all, but he thought, you know, these five has already proven himself faithful in some areas. So I'm going to give him five. The one I gave two to, it's like, I, I trust his abilities to some extent. The one with one, it's like, I'm not sure, but I want to give him a chance. I want to give him an opportunity, right? And so as the first two, as they succeeded, their circle of influence and impact grew, right? So if you've been faithful with a little, you know, brace yourself because more, uh, you know, according to the parable is coming your way, okay? Because the implication is that, the more that you and I handle well, the more we will be entrusted with. And it's pretty clear, honestly. Like, <laughs> and so the this story is so simple, but the implications of it are really, really profound, right? So our talents, our resources, they are our sphere of influence, right? And what we do with them speaks louder than any words we could utter, you know? So the call to us as believers is to take that bold step of faith to multiply what we've been given and trusted, and then to prepare to be entrusted with more, right? And then let's just go look at the third second or a third servant for a minute. And the thing about the third servant, I've really struggled with this because I, I feel bad for him. <laughs> and, um, and I always wish, like I secretly, I wish the talent was, or the parable was written a little bit different where maybe the third servant was the one who multiplied it, but the second one wasn't because, you know, I don't know, just played out the way it is. God wrote it the way he needed to for some reason. But but anyway, so if we go look at the third servant, it's easy to criticize him for his inaction. But like, again, like we were talking about before, if we look deeper into the underlying cause, it's his fear, right? And so we know caution can serve as a guide. You know, there's plenty of benefit to that, you know, but it can also be a significant hindrance for a lot of us as believers that would hold us back from fulfilling our God-given potential. And that's what we have to prevent against. And so this third servant allowed fear to paralyze him. And that is an obstacle that we have to do everything we can to avoid, right? Because the tragedy here isn't that it's just a buried talent, but it's a buried opportunity for influence, like positive influence, and then personal growth, right? And so the biggest risk is not often not taking any risk at all, right? Like we're talking about, 
um, but just not doing anything, right? And so instead of taking responsibility, this third servant chose to blame his master for his shortcomings, which, I mean, how often, I don't know, again, speaking for myself, uh, it's easy to point fingers when you look inwardly and feel like I'm not good enough, I'm not, I messed up or whatever, like, it's just so easy to do this. It's like we as humans have been doing this since um, Adam and Eve, right? Uh, but accountability isn't just for times when we succeed. It's also for these moments we falter, right? And so acknowledging our fears and our limitations is just a key part of like authentic personal growth. And so this parable, I think, just makes it really, really clear that what you cultivate is what you harvest, And so these first two servants experienced rewards and greater responsibilities because they were faithful with what they were given, with what they were entrusted with, okay? And then this third servant faced loss, not just of the talent, but more importantly, the loss of trust, the more, uh, the loss of opportunity, right? Both of these two things, which are significant, significant. And one of the things we talk about a lot of times too is uh, that we forget is that the way that these... um, or that we as managers or stewards, the way that we handle what we've been entrusted with, it affects other people around us as well, okay? And so you and I, the decisions that we make in managing our money, they affect the world around us, okay? Because if I do not obey God and steward and manage the money the way that um, he has asked me to, then I am not going to have X, Y, or Z dollars over here to be able to give to this organization to be able to impact the kingdom, or God might be calling me to give to this person over here, and I don't do it because eh, we're, we got vacation planned. It's like, I, I got to spend that on vacation, you know? And God's trying to do something. God's trying to set some, you know, kingdom-focused domino effect in place over here. But if I disobey, it's affecting the kingdom at large. So it goes so much further than just you and I, right? So, kind of wrapping this little um, podcast devotional up. I want to just encourage you or encourage us because I'm preaching to myself with this. Let's internalize this, what we're learning here, what we're seeing in the parable of talents. Let's live it out. Let's be the people who multiply, expand, and grow all the things that God has entrusted with, you know, all the things he's entrusted us with, whether that is our time, talents, treasure, our money, whatever, our kids. Let's just be those people that seek to multiply and be those two or five talent people um, who God can give more to and just continue to entrust more with. So anyway, that's the wrap for this. Uh, If you enjoyed it, send me a DM at seed time. Let me know and we'll do more like these. If you have other ideas for episodes, let us know and um, we'll have Linda back here bright and shiny next time. But um, hope you have a fantastic day and we'll see you soon. Adios. All right, we want to know if you've heard about our flagship class called True Financial Freedom. Yeah, and if you haven't, it's more than just a money class. Mm -hmm. It's really about fulfilling your God-given purpose, breaking free from hidden money beliefs, and making a lasting impact. Yeah, and we've gotten feedback from students, and they've said things like, it is the first class I've taken where at the end of each session, I felt equipped and not burdened. Yeah, and it's less theory and more realistic action steps and guidance. We've also heard it felt like a conversation with friends, which is awesome. Yeah, and it encouraged me in ways I didn't think I would ever experience. This class is on demand, and it's designed for churches and small groups as well as individuals. And you can get all the details at seedtime.com slash TFF.